0: Life is full of surprises, some good, Some not so much. Hola, it's
1: honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an
2: important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is
3: welcome. Y si pasa
2: algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a state farm agent you can
1: worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals, plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns
0: come
2: up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr., with all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura podcast network.
0: This is an official download
1: from the custardtv.com. <laughs> It's Luke. I wanted to start the podcast this week a bit differently because um, I heard Sarah Hughes, the critic, the TV critic, died this week and I wanted to mention her on the podcast. She was a Twitter friend, a TV lover, who I chatted to almost constantly about my favourite Things, my favorite television shows, and my least favorite TV, and we'd often disagree. But she was always someone that knew what television was about and knew the power of it, and and just lost herself in it and loved it so much. And it's so rare uh, to find somebody like-minded like that. And also, when I do the podcast and I do the site, I don't do it for financial gain. I'm not, you know, well-known, but When somebody like Sarah, who is a prolific writer for places like The Telegraph and The Guardian and Empire and Pilot TV, is a quote-unquote friend, it means an awful lot. And when she guested on the podcast, it meant an awful lot. And when she helped me put together the top 50 shows of the decade, it meant an awful lot. And we organised over where Game of Thrones should go, which was ultimately one of her favorite shows of all time but ended up at number 20 out of 50 because of that poor ending I just wanted to mention her on the podcast this week and dedicate this podcast to her because we're going to be talking about line of duty which is a show she loved and covered right up until the end thank you for your support Sarah it meant a lot The Custard TV Podcast. This is the podcast where three TV obsessors talk about the TV you need to watch or, in some cases, don't need to bother with. I'm Luke, editor and runner of the website, thecustardtv.com. Joining me this week are two of my favourite people who were available at this time. Matt in the northern area.
0: I am always here.
4: Yeah. And Sarah... Sarah in the Midlands area representing the middle massive how big <laughs> are they <laughs> huge enormous yeah
1: i mean <laughs> not, to be fair right.
4: obesity reasons
0: i'm in the midlands as well so okay
1: yeah, for the start of the podcast it doesn't really oh, okay. work okay <laughs> we'll just have to say you are in the northern area sarah you were just saying that you started Shits creek in a bit of a in the in the time you've had away from work yeah. so i have Persisted with Shits Creek, time and time again. I'm almost at the point where people say it has a transformation, but I can't bring myself to get there. So, what was the turning point for you? And is it a worthwhile journey after that?
4: It's hard. It's very different in tone and style and content and everything to every other sitcom I've ever watched, which is why some people love it and some people hate it. It's it's complete marmite, and I must say that people were like, oh, wait till series two, it gets amazing. Series three, it really hits its stride. And I'm like, I still kind of hate it. I'm just putting it on because I feel like I should persevere. But it's really warm. It's so nice when you do... These characters really grow on you. And the warmth and the real emotion there is beautiful to watch. It's really good. You know, because I was a a loose end for, you know sort of six weeks or so for like personal reasons um I needed the company I needed like you know stuff to watch on tv and I realized that by I don't know 1 p.m in the afternoon I'm like oh I wonder what's happening in Shits Creek so I wanted to put on another couple of episodes and then I was like damn it they've got me <laughs> it's still not my favorite comedy of all time but it was just good and the right thing to watch at the right time for me it's really very beautiful, but you do have to really put in the work. And I, I always resent TV shows where people yeah. are like, hey, put in the work. And I'm like, no, it's entertainment. It needs to be drawing me in, not vice versa. But, it but doesn't this go one, sec- it doesn't go this sec- one I'm loath to say was actually worth it.
1: <laughs> OK. I'm have to I hate it when I'm... I have
4: to admit that I was wrong, but this was worth
1: it. <laughs> I'm going to have to tick it off my list. I'm going to have to. If, if I haven't done it by next time you're on... Which means you'll probably be back on next year.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'll get bumped down the list just because of Shit's Creek. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I've, I've set this gauntlet now, but I'm not putting a time limit on it. So by the next, time me on... thinking. I was thinking that Greg Davis on the Taskmaster is like terrible, but it turns out Luke, you're even worse. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, tell me about it.
1: Luke and Matt
4: This could be a podcast A podcast, don't you have to be
2: some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not, anyone with a computer can make one Talking telly Use your ears and trust them
0: This is the Custard TV
2: Podcast Yes, that would entertain me briefly From thecustardtv.com So on the show this week
1: we're going to be discussing the final episode of series 4 of Unforgotten we're going to talk about how we're all feeling with Line of Duty uh, three episodes in, although I know four will have aired by the time your ears get round to this uh, ITV's new psychological thriller Too Close, Channel 5's new thriller Intruder and um, BBC One's new entertainment show, kind of mass Singer-esque, I Can See Your Voice which is on Saturday nights on BBC One Although will it be t- we're recording on Saturday and there's a still a bit of un- unsurety. is that a word no uncertainty I like unsurety
0: though I like <laughs> um I it, that. it looks like they they've altered the schedule slightly I've I've had a quick squeeze and thankfully I can see your voice is still is still on the cards for For Saturday night,
4: you're only saying guys for reasons of posterity, we should actually say why the schedule has changed. And and actually, Mo
0: Walker asked us to, to speak about this as well, didn't he? So, you know, we do what Mo says.
1: Yeah, good man, Mo. So this is all to do with the death of Prince Philip. The B- I mean, the BBC has, has just gone full news. ITV went full news last night. Channel 4 decided to stick with their schedule and were actually the most watched channel of the night. Uh, all my radio stations across the country are, are playing sombre and slow music. I mean, yeah. I remember this with Diana in 97 when it was the shock and awe and just amazement... at something this tragic happening i wasn't in the country for the queen mother was it similar there
0: i can't remember
4: no the queen mother definitely i I think it's because she's one step removed from like the main main royal Mm. family didn't get quite this much fuss yeah
0: the thing with the diana thing as well was that it was a big story you know it was a big story and I, and I get that people want to, you know, pay tribute to him. And it is sad. And, it, you know, he did make big contributions to the country. But as you say, you know, the BBC One and BBC Two showed the same rolling news coverage from News 24 all day yesterday. And they're still doing so up to when the rugby played on Saturday afternoon as we record this. Was One of terrible? my
4: friends said it feels like they're dealing with this like it's happening in the 1950s.
0: Mm.
4: It doesn't seem right.
0: And at the time of Diana, you know, Diana's death as well, we didn't have like the 24-hour news channels no. that we've got now, or not at least no, not everyone had access to them. You know, ITV played it sort of more, you know, they played documentaries rather than just playing news, you know, in the evening slots. But yeah, I think Channel 4, I, I did say this on Twitter, I think they got it right because they did do, you know, a tribute to him when the, when the announcement came in. They did do an extended Channel 4 news with a sort of... Half an hour obituary dedicated yes. to him, but then you know they had the the big shows that they had advertising that people were looking forward to. They still showed. They showed the circle. They showed Gogglebox, and I think the thing is, you know, they they are. Forgetting about those people who are working all day and want to come back and watch EastEnders or or Emmerdale or what have you. And actually, one of my colleagues was really upset about not watching the soaps, if I'm honest, more so than Prince Philip. It just feels like quite an old fashioned.
4: Yeah, absolutely. To, you know, and I feel I feel that people on Twitter, especially the people who have talked about. Prince Philip being a good man and doing his duty and all of that thing, it's entirely true, but we don't have to react like this. And people saying, oh, it doesn't matter. You're just giving up, I don't know, watching Bargain Hunt or something. Then if you can't give that up for this man who was so great, then there's something wrong with you. But those people are very condescending and speaking from a a position of privilege that some of us don't have. Some of us live alone. Some of us are lonely and stuck shielding in a pandemic i'm sorry but those people are allowed to watch what they want on tv it shouldn't be like this and uh, And it's really annoying that people have got such a snotty tone about it because we all know that tv provides a really brilliant service that we wouldn't have a happy life without and other people just need to understand that that so uh, to that's, some people it might be really the case important. that some of
1: us might not have a life without <laughs> i've got a problem with rolling news in general but particularly rolling news on a story like this which as we all say we're not being disrespectful of it is a huge story but also what more can what more can a rolling news story or
4: a there no, is rolling there news is no breaking news breaking no news is broken update. it's done
0: yeah. It's not the same as Diana because that was rolling news. That yes. was things coming. You know, that was a a tragic act. You know, an accident. People didn't know what was going on, and there was that sense of we need to let you know what's going on at yeah. all times. It you was know. like it
4: was like there was an investigation.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that, that was that was different.
1: And I know Sorry. we're all roughly the same age, but that was my first experience of, of me too. Yeah, public me too. grief. Really, I'd never experienced anything like that. I think to be fair to the BBC, they were sort of damned if they did and damned if they didn't. Some oh, without say, doubt, without doubt. Some people would but, say putting on EastEnders was wrong because it's disrespectful, and other people would say, "Where you know, where's EastEnders?"
0: The best thing they could have done, I think, is keep the tributes on BBC One and then put the stuff that was meant to be on BBC One on BBC Two, and that would have or, kept or... everybody happy.
1: Do what they always like to do in 2021 and say... if you put it on the watch iPlayer. It, we've, put, we've put the MasterChef final and the EastEnders that would be on air tonight, mm-hmm. they're on the iPlayer. If you want to watch them, they're there. But we're going to be covering this story yeah. that we have I I mean
0: it's it's very me but I you know great british menu was the thing I was looking most forward to and <laughs> oh, I think they've got gosh. I think they've got it on on tonight so that's that's something at least you say as well that they are you know catering to the people who say Oh, it's disrespectful, but I think they're the minority now rather than the majority, and that, I think that shows by the fact that the BBC have already set up a dedicated thing for people complaining specifically that there's too They've much. They've had
4: to set up their own yeah. webpage for one type of particular. For people
0: complaining uh, about too much.
4: It's just, <laughs> yeah. I've never, it's baffling. I've never yeah. seen anything like that. I never thought I would see anything like that. It's just the craziest thing. Depending on how people react to this conversation, I might have to set one up.
0: Yeah, Luke, <laughs> you're going to you're going to the Tower of London after this. For,
1: not not to be TV. beheaded.
4: Just, forward slash apologies.
1: Just, just for a day out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all the approach I expected them to take. I knew that news would be extended. I just didn't think that broadcast in general, BBC Radio yeah. One, which is a channel I'm not the di- demographic for, but I was no. fascinated to know how they were covering it. And they, would just show, they were just playing the BBC News 24 feed on Radio 1. So the young'uns yes, couldn't listen right. to Ed Sheeran and, and, and uh, Stormzy. Dua
0: Lipa. <laughs> um... <laughs> hey, that's a I like monster.
1: how you pronounce
4: that really carefully, because it's that yeah. you do often pronounce. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: Couldn't tell you a single one of her songs, but I've heard of her
4: <laughs> And yeah, I know that... she's a her. That's impressive. Yeah, I thought she I know. was maybe I a know. band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the um the complete just lack of BBC Four was bizarre. Mm. Apparently, as well that they were running like banners on on CBBS and and CBBC
4: as well. That's, that <laughs> that's, a bloody bloody, that's a and,
0: very miserable bedtime story. And UKTV as well, because they're like a subsidiary, aren't they, of the BBC? They had yeah. a thing saying, like, rolling news coverage, apparently. Wow, uh,
1: so strange. Let's do some reviews this week. Let's do Line of Duty first, and I urge you now, you can do two things at once, I'm sure. If you're a listener to this, you're definitely a multitasker. I urge you now to go to the website, go TV.com, and read all of Matt's properly in-depth pieces on all four episodes that have aired of Line of Duty to date. How are you feeling about this series as a whole?
4: It's decent. I'm, I'm enjoying it, generally speaking. Um, I think it's because it hasn't had the hysterical silly moments that other series have descended into we haven't got to that part yet which is fine for me because I quite like the methodical police work you know and, and AC12 doing their job I just I quite like that that I mean maybe I'm a bit of a lone voice to come to to line of duty these days um, but it always used to be about the head-to-head it was about you know sitting around that desk the loud beep goes off and, you know, it's game time. We're here for bank coppers. (laughs) The sort of more violent, the sillier bits of the series before I've not enjoyed at all. Um, I wasn't a fan of um, Kate Fleming action cop at the end of series three, where it was like gun-toting mayhem. And then the end of the last series, the Morse code about H, I was like, oh, come on now. (laughs) This is just daft. (laughs) But it does both. It's a very clever show in the fact that it can do the the clever investigation stuff and it can do out-and-out out silliness as well and it, it, it seems to sort of sit perfectly well together and I love how it is a proper staple of the BBC that everybody wants to talk about.
1: You are right. Everything you said is right. However, I've been very uncharacteristically... Quiet about my feelings for this series on Twitter because I've championed it from the off in 2012. This series, in the three episodes I've seen up until this recording, it's just not clicking for me. Something's off. I don't care about Kelly McDonald's character, I don't believe her performance. The scene in the car at the end of episode two where she has this breakdown after picking up a burner phone. Should have been really tense. Instead, it was almost laughable, I thought. It was a bit strange. Really one of the most bizarre things the show has ever done, and I include the Morse code in that. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I also think that in five years' time, if you come to Line of Duty fresh in five years, but if, if somebody says, well, I'm going to wait till the very end, I'm going to watch it all, I think that will be the most rewarding box set you'll ever watch. But as somebody who watches it year on year on year... And Jed's insistence on bringing back these somewhat minor background characters and making them at the forefront. And you're trying to rack your brains as, who are they? How are they connected? When did I see them last? It feels a lot like homework. And I know that's unfair because you can go... Matt does it every week with his reviews. He goes online, he, he finds out who these people are. And if I really wanted to, it's not a hardship to do that. But as a viewer, you feel like your memory's letting you down. There's also this thing where, because he's bringing back these minor characters, Ryan, for example, who's been in there since he was a kid and has come more to the fore this series as the bent copper on uh, Joanne's team, I just don't buy the actor. I think it's a really amateurish performance from him. Nothing clicks. It's a really strange series. It's like watching Line of Duty, but everything's been dialled down and taken away, and I, I can't work out what it is. And then there's the personal life stuff with Steve and Steph, and I don't think those two actors have particularly interesting chemistry. I don't want to be do that. Typic- I think we do do it typically British, where something was is great and then it becomes populist and we all turn on it, and I don't want to do that because everything you said, Sarah, about Line of Duty is right, and I still feel that in my heart of hearts, that it's an incredibly complex, brilliant BBC show we should all be proud of and... Champion but because i have not enjoyed it to the same degree as normal and I had my issues with five I've sort of seen how the mechanics work behind the scenes a bit more. So I've struggled a lot with the insistent use of acronyms which I know has always been there, but that's annoyed me some of the dialogue's been really ropey and I just I Can't relax into it. There's something missing when when each episode finishes normally I would be wanting to talk about it online. And really, it's just washed over me. I haven't given it a moment's thought. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com.
0: We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase Mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make
1: more of what's yours.
2: Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC.
1: With every episode that ends, I watch it on a Sunday night, but I don't give it a thought again. And that's, that's not how I felt about the next show we'll talk about. But something's not clicking, and I, I don't know what it is.
0: What we're all saying on this is is it's sort of getting that balance, isn't it, between the, the police work side and then the, sort of the more exciting moments. When we talked about the first episode, Luke, me, you and Gary, we were a bit underwhelmed by the big set piece with the, the bookie robbery and, and, and things like that, you know, as compared to other set pieces in prior Line of Duty series. And I think, actually... In episode three, the chase to the to the reservoir and, and the drowning and what have you, you know, it was well played by by Vicky McClure, even though you don't like Kate, action cop, as you said. Um, I think that livened up the series. For me, at the moment, it is a step up on series five. I think series five, we did have Stephen Graham, who is an excellent actor. But all the stuff with Hastings, I think, dragged it down. The constant, who is H this at least i think for me has improved almost like episode two was a step up on episode one episode three i i think the balance was just a little bit off when it went to the stuff with steve and steph I struggled with that. Uh, and I can see on on Twitter, a lot of people are bigging this up as uh, before it's aired, because we're recording this on Saturday, that it's the best Line of Duty episode ever and the best thing Jed's ever written. And it certainly is the best episode of this series for me. There's another big action set piece. There is the, again, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that there's an AC12 interview with Buckle, seeing as he was arrested at the end of episode three. Yeah. I love Buckles. <laughs> Episode four has improved things, but what I would say, and I, and I, this is something I, I I will bring up in my review as well, is the Kelly MacDonald character, Joe Davidson, is the weakest of these guest characters Part of that I don't think is Kelly McDonald's fault. I think she's had the least screen time of any of the quote unquote guest characters with the pos- with obviously the exception of, of Daniel Mays, you know, in, in series three, because he turned out not to be the main focus, you know, he was he was advertised as the main focus and then was was killed at the end of the first episode. But for those who have been on screen throughout, Andy Newton, Stephen Grey, and Keely Hawes, they have always had their own scenes Without any of the other characters, so you can get some contacts, you can get some background, you can get to know these characters. I think a lot of what has happened with Joe Davidson has happened off screen, and I especially felt that in this most recent episode that there's a lot of dramatic stuff that we're not seeing with her deliberately to keep information away from the audience until yeah. it, you know we're gonna bomb you with all these reveals in quite quick succession. But I think it, it stops from having what we've liked about Line of Duty is that we like the established characters, but there's this colourful, central player as well who has got their own attributes. You know, like, for example, Ross Huntley in Series 4, she was this ambitious, driven copper. That ambition was what ex- what they used to exploit her. You know, she wasn't corrupt herself, but the the corrupt officers used her, knew she wanted to... Solve this case. So, sort of, almost used her as a proxy, and and that was a really good sort of story. Same with uh, John Corbett last series. As this, Mm. you know, he's an undercover copper, but how undercover is he? You know, we just, I, I just don't feel that we know much about Joe. And you know, there's this. I suppose the underpinning story is between her and and Kate. Who, who is playing who? There's the insinuation that maybe Kate is using the fact that, that that Joe is gay to sort of flirt with her. But then there was the um, thing in this last episode where it was almost implied that she was the one leading her towards Buckles and Buckles was the fool guy. Mm. It's the sort of who's playing who. But again, it doesn't make Davidson especially interesting. And I think we're losing that element of line of duty that makes it line of duty. And maybe, Luke, that's where you're losing a little bit of of interest in it.
4: Do you think, think guys, as well, that we haven't seen... Um, the main three characters on screen enough together because of the way that Kate Fleming's character has moved on.
1: I feel like they're all very disparate and maybe that's what's what's not connecting as well. But I've, I've sort of gone past the theorising of it. Like I say, I don't think about it week to week, episode to episode. I don't particularly even look forward to it. I mean, it is the only show on television drama-wise that I am watching at the moment. But I don't think about it week to week. I don't come on here and say, "Oh, what do you think about this? Because actually the episodes, although they've had those moments of drowning and things, I had a message before the series started from a regular podcast listener who said, please tell me you're going to be talking about Line of Duty every week. And I, I certainly intended to. But although you've done these real in-depth reviews that I'm really proud to have on the site, do you feel there's enough conversation to be had week on week Matt
0: I, I think that Jeb Mercurio is trying to get those conversations by being you know deliberately obtuse about these characters you know saying well what's Joe do you know we get a little bit of Joe each week we get her as you say in episode 2 with the burner phone last week she was at the, you know on the online thing with the the quote unquote H uh, you yeah. know that they were using this and again that's something I had to go back and remind myself of that this was what was used last time to communicate with the with the yeah. OCG. You know, we're getting a little bit of, or who's she talking to? Why is she doing it? Is she in league? You know, is she in league with Ryan? You know, that they, they had some l- knowing looks together in in episode two when he picked her up from from custody, and so they are trying to get those questions. But I think in doing that, it is affecting. plot of this series to an extent you know i mean my my big question is steph corbett really and and the and the bringing her back is it going to be that she is in league with the ocg because why bring her back otherwise
1: everybody's as you say online is saying how good episode four is but i feel like if if that's the turning point that's all well and good i am more than happy to listen back to this and go You are such a fool, you said all this and then episode 4 came on and you loved it. But I feel like this series has yet to get going. And I don't mean that in terms of I haven't had any big surprises, big shocks... I just feel like it's been going through the motions a little bit.
0: I will say that episode four's big set piece is certainly more engrossing than the one in episode three. I would say that it was the one that sort of made me sit up and pay attention a little bit more and had me on the edge of my seat, that, you know, and this is sort of the last 10 or 15 minutes of the episode. It is, right. I would say it's the most engaging episode that they've had in this series. There's not as much downtime as in that last episode, which I felt was very top-heavy. This one has got a lot more going for it, and there is a there's a massive cliffhanger as well. It's certainly the best of this series. I would say still, you know, some of those early series, I think, when not as many people were watching, I think certainly the Keely Hall's interrogation scene is still up there, I think. and yeah. I think, you know, when we went back and talked about our favourite episodes of TV in the, in the decade, did you have a line of duty in there? Was that that episode?
1: I believe so, yes. My only other worry is, are we going to get to series 8, 9 and 10 of Line of Duty? And is that necessarily a good thing? It worries me that uh, this is such a juggernaut that the BBC are going to milk it for all it's worth and will never know the... I mean, viewers might turn on it at the end of this series when they don't know who H is. And they're not going to know who H is. And there are some people who are still obsessed about who H is. And to to Jed's credit, he hasn't put a lot of emphasis onto H this series so I'm glad about that but there will be
4: people who are going come on now tell us who this H is. It isn't going to be very satisfying I don't think if we don't find out at least some detail of this overarching conspiracy by no means does it have to be like you know a detailed OCG plan <laughs> we just need to you know have a little bit of resolution but yeah as you know I'm, I'm not in favour of series 8, nine, ten of anything I think be brief, be brilliant, be gone. I'm going to have that on a tea towel. That's good. That was my uh, GCSE English teacher who was talking about when we wrote essays, I think. But it stayed with me forever because you shouldn't just drag things out just because they're popular. Is
1: that why any reviews you send
4: me are like two paragraphs? That's right. And you have to pad (laughs) them all out. (laughs) No, I think about that in my writing quite a lot. And I wish I could be brief, but I cannot.
1: (laughs) Line of Duty continues Sundays on the BBC, and make sure after each one you log on to the website thecustardtv.com and seek out Matt's in-depth analysis and breakdown of each episode. Next up, then, we've got Unforgotten ITV's crime drama. Of a similar ilk, as much as I feel like as many people who are talking about Line of Duty in my life that I live on Twitter those same people are just as in love and invested and just as chatty about Unforgotten, which has been lovely because it's been some of this under under the radar hit and those of us who love it and appreciate it have always been vocal, but it seems like people have really tried to seek it out in Lockdown 3.0 and they've really enjoyed it as well, which has been lovely. Sarah, you reviewed the first episode. How do you feel about the series as a whole and How broken were you after episode six?
4: Brilliant. Loved it. Possibly don't have the words for how much I loved it. How graceful they were with it. I've always said that this show is special because it does deal entirely in realism. Let's Mm -hmm. say Line of Duty deals in 35% realism, perhaps. Unforgotten deals in 100% realism. And I totally believe all of the characters all of the backstories however unpleasant the cold cases are i feel like no that could happen you could find a, a body in a in a freezer that's 30 years old it could happen it connects so well with grief and with yeah. all sorts of normal human everyday troubles i've always liked it because back in the day people got into like csi and things like that and it was the dead body as a shocking display I didn't like how those things were used you know like it was it was using this body for shock value and I don't feel even with the very unusual corpse in the last series of Unforgotten I don't ever feel like their humanity was taken away and they were just a prop I always like how that was done and I find that really important for anybody who's who's dealing with grief themselves it's just I think it's really nice how they connect that all of the stories of like family troubles and dementia and problems with pregnancy and all of these things connect so well with real life you know the leads themselves are amazing and the last scene you know the last scenes where where we're talking about Cassie Stewart's death they always treat their viewers with so much respect I think that's what I'm trying inelegantly to say Um, and they treat their characters with respect and their storylines with respect and I just I just think that's absolutely wonderful
1: it's elegant and it's understated and it's it's just perfect. And because it's so perfect, that final episode will stay with me forever because of the way it was handled. And yes, people said that the end of Five was done for shock value. I didn't personally agree. I don't think anything in Unforgotten is ever done for shock value, as you say. It, It feels incredibly real and raw and as if you're intruding at times into these characters' lives. The way I just felt about Line of Duty was, on a similar level, how Matt felt about Unforgotten. He couldn't really relax Um. into it because he said there was too much going on, too much emphasis on this character's got four stories going on that character's got three stories going on. He felt there was too much. He felt there was only six episodes to tell the story. How did you feel when you got to the end and just uh, looking at it as a piece? Yeah, of
0: it? I mean, I I would I would stand by what I said in the last you well, know you last have time.
1: To. I you it. have to. because yeah. it's there. Oh, I, I don't know. You online. you
0: often retract things and call yourself a hypocrite, but you no, know I don't, that's I not me. Yes, you a have.
1: I'd be a hypocrite <laughs> if I said that. That
0: <laughs> I will replay back every time you've called yourself a massive hypocrite on this on this podcast. There was a lot crammed in. And, and, you know, if you go back to what I said last time, I think that is the nature of the beast a lot with Unforgotten. I would praise the actual police work and the, the forensic detail they go into the realism of the relationship between Cassie and Sonny, you know, those are the things they've done very well. I get now why they were focusing so much on on the personal life because they were killing her off in the last episode. I do still feel that there was a lot going on in terms of the, the guest characters. I think everything was resolved very well. Andy Nyman in particular, I thought his performance in that last episode was great. And I think of the four... I believed him the most I I didn't really ever relax into Susan Lynch's performance I felt she was a bit much the resolution and the reveal was very well done, I love that team that they've constructed and I thought his soliloquy to her, his eulogy was incredibly well played I like the fact that you didn't see her funeral, it was just him walking towards the grave. Mm, I thought that was was a a great decision to make. I think we need to talk about now the decision to to go on with Unforgotten without her.
4: That's quite strange to me because it feels like a really good end point for the series. I'm not saying that they can't do it without her, but she's so much a part of it. The acting is so beautiful between the two leads. I don't see how they can manage without her. But I'm intrigued to see, because I I believe in the writers and and Sanjeev Bhaskar and his character. I I, I say, yeah, why not? I I trust that you will do a really good job. But it it wouldn't have been my decision. If it had been my decision, I don't think I would have been able to make it because I would be too cowardly.
1: (laughs) I was amazed when I saw that announcement. I think that that would be... The perfect endpoint for a show, and if that had been the perfect endpoint, then Unforgotten cemented itself as one of the best ITV or British dramas of the last 10 years because that was the perfect goodbye to a character that I didn't expect to say goodbye to. The tricky thing now is like when they brought back Cold Feet all those years later, you're going to have a did you like Unforgotten Part One, or did you like Unforgotten Part Two? For a while, you won't be able to separate, you know, Nicola Walker from that universe. And I actually wonder whether a smart thing to do is to just promote one of that great team that we like, <laughs> rather That's than bring good in... idea. They're not going to do that. They're going to bring in another big name, and and it'll be an off the wall choice. I mean, who'd have thought Nicola? Walker and Sanjeev Baskar would be a perfect pairing so it's going to be another person that we've not thought of it's going to be a big name but I think there's enough strength in that core group that tiny intimate police group that work on these unsolved cases that they could just bring somebody like Carolina Maine, who uh who who stepped into Cassie's shoes for those final interviews just promote them and I would be <laughs> on board with that they can't do casting 2.0 and if they bring in somebody who's gonna butt heads with sonny's character i don't think i'm gonna enjoy that as much either so for Mm. me it's a really risky thing to do but as you say the world they've built the unit they've built and the characters they've built give me hope that i'm gonna be on board with series four of unforgotten
4: to my mind, it was a strange comment that I saw on Twitter and I wondered if you felt this way at all. But it was, it was one of those all caps comments and it was someone saying, oh my God, I can't believe they've killed off the female character again. This is so sexist. Can't a female character ever just have a nice life? And honestly, as someone who's got, I think, pretty decent feminist principles, and I do worry about female characters on TV a lot, I did not think that it was a sexist decision at all. It was perfectly fine, and it made complete sense to me. I, Pulling back
1: I... the curtain a little bit, if I may, and I don't think you'll mind saying that, me saying this, I did speak to Chris about how it came about, and it was a decision that Nicola came to him and said, you know, I don't know how much longer you want the series to go on, and they sort of chatted, and it sort of organically happened, so it wasn't a decision to kill off a female character i mean we'll do that at the end of the podcast with sarah and you won't you won't see it oh, coming no. but,
4: uh,
1: <laughs> and it won't be sexist it'll just be violent i haven't seen that comment it's an interesting comment and it's a comment you hear again and again when this happens but
4: usually me, the criticism well, is valid but honestly in yeah, this case it, i did get that sense. think i think
0: I think for me, I think that criticism is more leveled towards shows where the impetus for the story is the death of of a woman, normally gruesomely murdered. In this case, it was all to do with the character. You know, she was physically and mentally exhausted from this job that she wanted to leave and, and was forced back into. That is why she got into this accident that ultimately ended her life it was you know not her own choice but it was her own doing and i think that's why it's different from a lot of these other female yeah. characters dying
4: and i just thought it was so clever in the way that the immediate investigation into the accident was well could it have been one of the suspects and that's what you would imagine on a on a sort of slightly more fantastical tv show it would be yeah one of our our suspects taking revenge and of course it wasn't because this is based in the real world so it was just a tragic accident and i thought that was such a an intelligent decision to make
1: in a way it was the death itself was so dignified the way it was done because it was a doctor saying she's sustained these injuries that she won't recover from that conversation that i mean i watch a lot of medical drama, a lot of medical documentaries and i've
3: Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot.
2: As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult.
3: But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car?
2: Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me.
3: Hmm. Doesn't get much smoother than that.
2: Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana. All within my budget.
3: Doesn't get much smoother than that.
2: It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified
1: today. On families, when they put cameras in those rooms and doctors say, you know, your wife won't be the same after this accident. And it just felt so believable, but it wasn't... She didn't die instantly from her accident that we saw at the end of the penultimate episode but she died with with her family around her and they were all in deep shock and then they had this conversation and then we presume there's no timeline on when that funeral was but we presume it was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks later where you don't see it you just hear his eulogy and it's so beautifully done
4: I loved it. I, I thought that the the scenes in the hospital were great. Initially, when she arrived, there was that sense of hope. And then there was that eventual flip into hopelessness that came as such a shock. And I'm like, man, that is, I mean, from personal sad medical experience, I'm like, no, that is 100% accurate that again such sensitivity in the writing and, and such realness and that's why Twitter was in deep mourning after that happened. Everybody was so sad. Because it did it wasn't in any way fantastical or silly or or broke any of the wonderful traditions that, that Chris has built up in Unforgotten.
1: We've sported the living daylights out of Unforgotten, but if you've not seen it, series one to three are currently on Brit Box. They're also on netflix i think they're also if you want to put yourself through even more heartache you can watch them on the itv hub i think
0: three is on i three and four on itv hub
1: oh okay thank you thank you for that i would not want to go into the itv hub otherwise
0: just quickly as well because you put a thing on twitter earlier saying you know thoughts on line of duty and a couple of people have replied so i don't know so Michael Lee, who we had on um, talking about the first episode of Unforgotten, actually, on Line of Duty said, I think the series so far is suffering from years of complicated storylines coming together. Can it live up to the hype? Not convinced by McDonald as a protagonist so far. Still entertaining. And there's an element that the first three eps are biding, biding their time. He's put binding their time, but I think he meant um, yeah but I think that's sort of a combination of, of sort of our thoughts as a whole, isn't it? I think that.
4: Yeah, that's I think is. that's totally true about suffering now from from never resolving the convoluted plots. Like all these strands are still spinning and, and will we get to see what happens in the end or, or will they just be, you know, cast to one side? And also
0: Lauren Jones has been in touch just to tell yes. us that she, that she's been saving them so she can binge watch them. Haven't seen any of it yet. Thanks, oh, Lauren.
4: Don't say things. There's enough box sets out there, people. Enjoy your programmes once a week. Yeah. Be old school and, like me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Says Mrs. Shit's Creek.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I can have my cake and eat it, Luke. And you do. Okay, <laughs> and I like, will.
0: We'd love to hear from you.
4: Drop us an email. Custard <laughs>
0: at gmail.com. So, I Can See Your Voice, which, like The Mass Singer, originated in South Korea. It's hosted by Paddy McGuinness. The concept is that there are six contestants, some of whom that can sing, some of whom that can't. There is then a couple basically rooting out the bad singers from the good singers. If they end up with a good singer at the end, they go home with £10,000. If they end up with the bad singer, then the bad singer goes home with £10,000. There is also a celebrity panel. The regular panellists are Luke's favourite all-time dinner party guests, I'm sure. Jimmy Carr, Alison Hammond and Amanda Holden. Um, And they are joined every week by a different musical act. The point of the musical act, musical guest star, whatever you want to say, is that they will duet with the last singer standing and it will be during that duet where the contestants find out whether they have picked a good or a bad singer this week's musical act is Danny Jones from McFlyer, as Paddy McGuinness kept calling him Jonesy for some strange reason. Yeah, so that's basically the the, the concept. Uh, Sarah, what did you make of this?
4: So singing contests are not what I'm into on TV. (laughs) When you said that I had to watch this for the podcast, I must admit I was a little bit disappointed. (laughs) But honestly, I didn't hate it. I thought it was nicer and just more entertaining than I was expecting. I mean, it helps that Paddy McGuinness is in charge because he can present absolutely anything with enthusiasm. Um, But I think the fact that the sort of the bad singers were there, knowing they were bad singers, kind of representing bad singers and being comfortable with that, it's kind of like they're in on the joke. And I liked that because I find that, you know, the early stages of the X Factor, which people love, Uh, It's just unkind to, like, laugh at people like that. But if you're putting yourself out there and going, oh, I love singing, but everyone says I'm bad, plus I might also win 10 grand, it makes me feel a lot better about that being used as entertainment.
0: You know, they do 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 these eliminations in rounds. Each of these, you know, would-be singers, certainly in this first episode, had a different characteristic, didn't they? So they had the songwriter, was it the party king, the rising star... The one that got me was there was a guy who was a rugby player who was just there holding a rugby ball and they called him Pitch Perfect.
4: I, I liked that. That one really made me chuckle.
0: <laughs> um, the first thing was that you just got to see them holding a microphone and then you had to eliminate one. Then they did like a lip sync challenge where some were singing in their own voice and some were lip syncing to a pre-recorded track. And then they got to choose some of the contestants to see a little bit more about them. And then they would hear one of them talk before they made their eliminations. You know, you, you rooted them out. And, and the thing I liked was that you, you don't know how many good to bad, what the ratio is to good to bad singers. I mean, it was half and half in this episode, but you get the impression that some weeks it will be, more bad singers than good. More good singers than bad. So
1: you don't you know, know like until
0: you get that? to that final duet. Um, I, I liked elements of it, but I think... <sighs> For me, it does seem like the BBC's reaction to the Mass Singer. It's like, what format can we get? You know, it has got that detective show element, which I think is something that we all You know, we all like to play armchair detective, don't we? And I think that's what the Mass Singer has has brought to people. You know, that I, I think you know the the stuff that you were saying about Line of Duty, about the online theories and what have you. I think that that's then now been passed to the Mass Singer in a way.
1: In fairness to the Mass Singer, although I'm not a fan and I think it's an abomination. Um, well, that's a bit harshly. No, it is an abomination. Why is it I, abomination? Think, I think,
4: I think abomination we... is going to be the next character that they, they use next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid, but at least for the Mass Singer, they're celebrities and they give you clues and you've got a week to think about who they are. Here, it's just are they good or bad? You can't be much of an armchair detective, really. Mm. Well, the same but
0: way. it's not like it's the same people every week, though, either, is it? No. You, you're there for whatever, like an hour or maybe a little bit less. You're playing along with them going, oh, no, that's not a good person. That's, it. I, I suppose the only thing I felt the celebrity panel was a little bit
4: redundant. Yeah, I didn't really see the point in them, apart oh from God. the fact that Jimmy Carr and Co must be grateful for the work because stand-ups dried up in the pandemic.
0: Yeah, well, um, well, so well Amanda
4: Holden is well known for her stand-up
0: comedy, and it's a very ITV panel. Amanda Holden and Alison Hammond are both sort of ITV names, aren't they? Really, it I is mean,
4: actually. Yeah, Jimmy you know.
0: Carr flits, but you know, mm. and and Danny Jones as well does does the voice kid. They are quite an ITV heavy panel, but you know, in the singer at least, you know, they are the ones doing the guessing. They are the one, you know. The, who is your final guess? You know, you All are... What
1: Alison Hammond did was every time they decided, right, this is a bad thing and there'd be that agonising gap between when we find out, mm. she goes, I just really want them to be bad. There wasn't, I suppose, I think
0: the point you're making, Luke, is there isn't much... It's either they're good yeah. or they're well, bad. bad. But are you... It feels a bit like the the wall in a way, you know. It's it's a game of chance, really, and and you and mm-hmm. you're playing with a couple every week. They give you things to root for this couple, like you know they wanted the money to take their children to to Disneyland or that what have Glenn you. Root for
1: the kids in five years,
0: won't it? <laughs> they want to give you a reason to. I suppose that's what you're doing. You are, and when we talked about bank balance, we said that you want to root for these contestants. And actually, yeah. I found the the couple that they picked. Quite likable. I, I think what detracts it is we need a celebrity panel because the mass singer yes. has a celebrity panel, and maybe the South Korean original had that.
1: They've got it in America, and they've got the same thing too.
0: Oh, okay. And and Danny Jones at least made sense that he's on at the end with the person that they pick, and that made sense. But I just this... thought it was Paddy McGuinness has to go over to the panel. I mean, I think the other thing that that got me is that I felt that they spent too long listening to the bad singers before they told them to shut up oh
4: yeah um because this isn't the the sort of the whole point of it is if the contestants lose and it's a bad singer who duets with the real singer yeah. at the end yeah, yeah. we're gonna have yeah. to sit through a whole song that's yeah. what i'm worried about well actually
0: no because she he sang because the song that they sung at the end and she was a good singer at the end spoilers if you haven't watched them the <laughs> He sang a lot of that song. She did, like, a verse. I I felt a bit sorry for her because they spent a lot of time talking to all the other contestants that they'd eliminated. Good and... Mm. And then she didn't get
4: any time at all. And it's like, yeah. oh. I quite like how they did use nicknames. I mean, some of them weren't good because teacher was called teacher. Um, but I like <laughs> I like how they use those because it seemed to be that those people could keep their real names out of it. It did make me think of the Masked Singer, but also it made me think of talent shows going back decades that are built around that Susan Boyle moment, Mm. like an outstanding, unexpected singing voice coming out of a very normal-looking or sometimes even a a slightly sad and disheveled-looking person, you know, which is what these talent shows have been desperate for forever. And everyone knows that's, like, a magical moment. And I quite like the idea of a whole show being built around that moment of, like gasped this person is amazing
0: actually the people who were the good singers were the unexpected ones weren't they like the rugby player and the teacher whereas I think everyone initially was expecting the quote-unquote rising star to be a good singer
4: yeah the um, people associated I... with like clubs and, and music and stuff yeah. and we expected them to be good so it kind of threw a a kind of fun little curveball for us again like playing
0: armchair detective i got that the rising star wasn't so when they did the lip sync challenge she didn't seem to quite fit in with that song the other thing as well is that they seem to be wanting that that, like the mass singer has the take it off catchphrase they've got was it let's hear your voice
1: yeah they
4: were trying and to make a catchphrase happen. they
0: were trying to make they? that happen weren't they <laughs> luke, luke I, I think i know what you're gonna say but your feelings please you sir you
1: don't know what i'm gonna say i am nothing but an enigma and i i could surprise you and another hypocrite i, I didn't i didn't like this but I t- I, but i don't think it's meant to be watched we all watched it on the previews and i know sarah you enjoyed it in Matt like elements but these sort of shows aren't meant to be watched in quote unquote oscillation. they're meant to no. be watched, yeah, with, with a the group family of people, and they fall a bit flat without it. I also mm. think, and this is my prejudice coming in like with everything at the moment. I mean a lot of people are loving that this is my house on the b b c with that and this it becomes unbearable not because of the format of the show, but you alluded to it. The people they choose are just so annoying, irritating, inane. Amanda Holden, I thought was going to get a year off from her. You know, no know Britain's Got Talent this year. No, she pops yeah. up on this. Alison Hammond, I know she's a brummy, but why is she judging whether people can sing or not? It's just she's just inane. Well, you
0: they're know, not. Um... They're not judges though, aren't they? Not, they're, they're like weren't. they're like the celebrity panel on through the keyhole, okay. really, aren't yeah. they?
1: It's just people I can't stand and Jimmy Carr who, who tries his best. I think what I like about Jimmy Carr is he must know how awful all these shows are, but they pay his bills and he tries to yeah, lighten I, them up. He I, was on The Celebrity Through the Keyhole. Uh, blank, the blank. Sorry, blank blank. Titty titty blank. blank. I was going saved, to bring that up. He saved that yeah. because without him, it would have fallen flat on its face completely. And he knew how obs- how ridiculous it was and he saved it by taking the mick of the contestants and he he sort of was the saviour of that show here. I just think the whole format is just a bit misguided. As
0: as you said, Sarah, it almost feels just like a payday, isn't it? You know, I think Alison seemed genuinely into it and genuinely into wanting to help this couple get the money, but the others just felt like, oh, I'm here, you know, it's six weeks' work or whatever and... and...
4: Just for a little bit of banter. I think I suppose that they're there because the producers think that the couple and Paddy won't be able to provide enough banter. But to be fair, it means we get less singing in the show, so that's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the only other thing I was going to say, because you can't help but compare it to The Mass Singer, and although I don't like that, the other thing that has going for it is that you can still talk about that in the week. Do you think mm. it's Gabrielle? Do you think yeah. it's Heather Smith? Yeah, yeah. you... With this, you can't say, that. do you think... You know, next week going to be bad singers or good singers. It's, mm. it's like, there's no conversation no, around it. No, you're so,
0: right. There, there's no water cooler moments, as they call them. Yeah. And actually, I to praise this as well. And and as you said, Sarah, <laughs> Paddy Paddy McGuinness is a lot more effervescent and a lot better host than Joel Dommett, who always looks just really out of place as a host on on the Math Singer.
1: I can see your voice Saturday nights on BBC One. Uh, Next up, then, is three-part psychological drama on ITV, airing across three nights on ITV this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Too close, and I may be reading this from the ITV press release. It focuses on the compelling and dangerous relationship between forensic psychiatrist Dr. Emma Robinson, played by Emily Watson, and she's assigned to work with Connie Masterson, Denise Gough, a woman accused of a heinous crime who claims she can't remember a thing. And it's about these two, as I say, having this weird relationship. Sort of the Hannibal Lecter-Clarice kind of relationship. In the beginning, because it does that thing where it shows you the incident that she can't remember, where mm-hmm. Connie is driving in the car with their two young children and drives into a lake. And that's basically what it is, and there are some flashbacks to her before, she she the way she was before. Not this gaunt, Walking Dead-esque character that <laughs> she's become in prison. Um, Sarah go you said you enjoyed
4: it yeah I was hooked from about 20 minutes in I was absolutely hooked and I cannot believe it's only three parts it feels like it needs to be longer where was the hook for you I mean Emily Watson is a national treasure obviously but I think it was um Denise Goff as Connie it was just such a phenomenal performance so physical but so so intelligent as well and then there's that undercurrent of like potential wickedness like was it a sort of a mental breakdown. Did she mean to drive into the lake? Is she genuinely suffering from amnesia, um, or or is it um, attempted murder? The fact that she seems to be playing two characters, because in before times she's this um, very beautiful, posh, wealthy woman with like a, a charmed life. I think you know some sort of big house in North London somewhere, and then she looks just so different. Her physicality is just fascinating. It was it was when the um, her solicitor showed her pictures of her injured child, you know, seriously injured child in hospital who's intubated. And the first thing that she does is laugh maniacally. It's some amazing face acting. And I, I bloody love someone who's good at face acting. When the penny drops and she realises this isn't a game and the shock on her face was incredible. And then she starts chucking stuff around the room and, and security had to be called. And I was just absolutely on the edge of my seat through that entire performance I thought it was fantastic something happened to Connie and her new very sexy um, neighbour Ness and their sort of strange relationship that seems very flirty and physical out of nowhere we assume that's going to be something similar that happens between Connie and, uh, and and Dr. Emma.
0: The title is Too Close, which in itself is a bit of a spoiler. I it suppose. really
1: is, isn't it? <laughs> but it? A title like that made me really nervous in Pandemic <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say <laughs>
0: I thought, is this about, you know, people not standing you know, six feet away <laughs> from meters each other? Two metres people. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Should have been called Two Metres. That's what it should have been called.
0: I just sort of lost interest in this as it went on. Um, I suppose for me, I, I'm not sure who am I meant to be rooting for in this era. What's who's? I, I'm not sure what the what the point is really. Because I found Emily Watson's character Emma quite obtuse and quite standoffish. You know, when we first meet her, she's sitting in her window smoking a fag and telling her husband she's not smoking a fag.
4: Uh, yeah to be fair i think that character is a bit cliche which is why connie connie might not be a psychological mastermind but she can say oh you know you're in an unfulfilling relationship there's bad things happening at home you don't look after yourself you don't treat yourself you know you don't have to be particularly clever to work out that dr emma is an unfulfilled person yeah but we're
0: not particularly rooting for connie either because she's sort of the antagonist isn't she she's Mm. tried to kill herself and her kids I struggle with the characters, I suppose, and I know that's a very Luke thing, but you, you know, and, my line. and there's that scene, especially when she's having a dinner party with her husband, and I believe his his sister and brother and their partners
4: Oh, those people! Oh and, my god, they were just, just all awful. Felt
0: so cliches and so like, you know, this is so, and, and it is a similar scene in Intruder, actually, where all oh, this yes. is such like a middle class. We've, you know, had, we've had a party. series
4: of devastating. Evil people at horrible dinner parties. Yeah. And it makes me thankful for lockdown. <laughs> and I get the the scenes between
0: Emily Watson and Denise Goff. There were some, you know, there were some strong performances there. But I never felt invested in this. That I suppose the hook is, you know, is she faking this amnesia? Mm. That's the... That's the question, the focus is on the relate on Connie getting into Emma's head, isn't it? And yeah. I mean,
4: you are so I- right because usually I do find myself going, I don't like any of these people and therefore I can't root for them and I cannot watch this. Spoilers, that will happen later on okay. uh, in this podcast. Um, Sorry, <laughs> I think, say that like you mean it. I didn't think, I thought Matt and I were good. <laughs> I, I think in this case, because the performances to my mind are so strong and the sort of mystery is so intriguing, and then you pop this down in society's expectations of women and mothers mm. and the horrible woman's become tabloid fodder. She's got that reductive, stupidly sexist nickname, yummy mummy monster, which is a terrible... Terrible mm. I did like the fact that this was two women
0: I think if it had been a man in the Emily Watson role it would have a different dynamic mm. and I did like the look it's playing you know about sort of female stereotypes and the way that women are presented in the press you know these female criminals or what have you but I just didn't find that there was a good hook or anything to another Lucasm hang my hat on um, <laughs>
1: i and just and get the, a hat, because I keep
0: saying that. There was just some bizarre, like, Chizzy Akadulu came in as playing, like, she's, like, the, the pharmacist or the nurse in this uh. secure unit, and she was making some choices with her performance. Seemed like she was still in Holby City. She was, like, the comic relief, maybe. I don't know. You know, and, and those, as you say, the flashback scenes, they didn't really do anything for me either. The big cliffhanger in this first one is that, was it Connie's husband and... Ness yeah. was together in the car at the end, holding hands.
4: That, meant- that's really intrigued me. I want to know what happens because it looks like Ness, who's played by Felissa Ray. I think that's how you pronounce the surname. Don't
0: that.
4: <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I, I don't often come to TV for like programs like this about female relationships, but it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's so flirty. It's so sexy. Like, I really want to know what happens. Do they form a bond? And is it. Is it dangerous, or is it properly friendly, or is it is it weird? Is it off kilter? And yeah. I want to see what happens, and I want to know if if Connie found out about Ness and Carl, you know, and was that the trigger that that literally sent her over the edge with the poor children? It, isn't it meant Is she? She's a lesbian, isn't she, Ness? That's Did right. Yeah, Ness that. has got. Um, I think Ness has got a daughter, and she's got um, a female partner who seems to be very successful, but we don't know what that job is I yet, unless I missed that detail.
1: One scene for me where I was like, I've had enough. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy
3: as... As
2: easy as pie?
3: Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin.
2: As easy as a stroll in the park.
3: Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds.
2: As easy as
3: singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot.
2: As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult.
3: But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Well, well, well. Shopping for a
2: car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me.
3: Hmm. Doesn't get much smoother than that.
2: Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana. All within my budget.
3: Doesn't get much smoother than that.
2: It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It
3: doesn't get much
2: Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow.
3: Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.
1: And it was quite early on. There it was, it was, <laughs> was a so. scene in, in it was a scene in the flashback where her parents are there and the grandfather's climbing a tree. The grandmother's swearing, effing and blinding, and she says, mind your language in front of the kids. I thought this was horrific. I mean, ITV have done some questionable things, and it's fashionable to knock ITV drama. I don't want to do that necessarily, McDonald and Dodds. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but this this really got under my skin for the for all the different for all the wrong reasons because Connie wasn't an interesting character because all she appeared to do to me was have a witty retort or a snidey comment every time Emily Watson had something to say. Emily Watson wasn't an interesting character because when she wasn't with Connie, she was surrounded by all these middle class idiots that I wanted to hit with a hammer. Mm. So there was just nothing there. And I, I didn't believe that these two had a chemistry. I believed I was watching two actresses play off against each other. I didn't believe I was watching two people have a conversation. I didn't like the makeup. I know she's been through this breakdown and she's shes changed physically and that was supposed to represent all the hideous things that have happened in her life since that time in the, in the river, but... I thought she looked like an extra from The Walking Dead. It didn't look believable to me. If you told me she was a heroin addict and had done that to herself, maybe. She was also too switched on. You know, you'd expect her to be withdrawn. But she was just she was just too switched on and trying to be too clever that I didn't warm to either of them. And when you don't warm to anyone, what else have you got to, to watch it for? I just found it really irritating. Couldn't wait for it to finish. To use your phrase, I did zone out. My attention was not there. Emily Watson, she is good, but she also had had some weird roles. Well, Apple Tree <laughs> Yard. See, I didn't like that for the, no, almost I didn't. for the same reasons I didn't like this. That seemed very middle class and and self assured yeah. and up itself. And and this felt the same to me.
0: I spent my time googling Denise Goff because I've got no idea what I'd seen <laughs> mm. her in previously. What was she? I, what, have
1: we ever reviewed anything? So was she her? was
0: in she was in Apple Tree Yard apparently. She was in, do you remember that thing, Paula? I don't think we ever reviewed we it. We didn't review the, it, no. No, it she's was like a night... Because,
4: like, the, the sort of head-to-head scenes do seem yeah, really she's,
0: theatrical to me. She, she's a big theatre actress, but she has done stuff. As I say, Paula, Apple Tree Yard. So she's done bits and bobs. But I kept thinking throughout, I wonder if they try to get Lena Headey for this role. That's what I kept thinking throughout. this. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. were not
4: there,
1: were
4: you? <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. So I'm happy to report back on, on what the... What the other episodes are like, and and whether it is worth it, because to my mind, as it's only three episodes, just seem like quite easy to watch and quite Moorish, and I do want to know what happens.
1: Somebody's gonna like it. There um, you go. <laughs> too close. ITV Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on at nine o'clock. Let's finish on Intruder, which is Channel Five's new drama. They've been doing these dramas where. They just—they did it with that one with Jill Halfpenny that I can't remember. <laughs> the drowning. The drowning. Yeah. Why wasn't it intruders? Is it because that second bloke didn't actually get in the house?
0: Wasn't that a show already?
1: Years ago with John Simm about aliens. And who
0: was the girl in it? Because she became big, didn't she? Who was it? Millie who? Bobby Brown. I want to say it was Millie Bobby Brown,
1: but it that was John
0: Simm doing true. an American accent, wasn't it?
1: Yes, because it was for BBC America. Yeah talked deep cut. Deep cut
4: there. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this podcast too long. That was. I'm crazy. just nodding. I'm just, I'm just assured yeah. that you guys are alright because so, I have no idea.
1: Come <laughs> then, Sarah. You learnt the names of the people in this. I just know brown-haired man Elaine uh, Cassidy. Elaine Al- Cassidy. Alain Cassidy. Yeah. Sally Say Lindsay. Sally Lindsay.
4: <laughs> so, for me, definitely Elaine Cassidy is the hook because she is brilliant, in no mm. offence. And she is this wife rebecca um sam is the husband the the beardy guy who is a loudmouth radio <laughs> prick on on you he's, know some he's story. meant to james be sam like james
0: Rick. is it james o'brien i i, think I picked so, up on yeah. and then
4: this burglary happens one night when angela who's their friend is in the house as well so this is another irritating middle class family in a strange sort of space age looking house with very chilly open plan living, especially because it's by the beach. It, it, it's not for me. It's not for me. So this house is targeted specifically by two blokes hiding in bushes, waiting for this intensely annoying middle-class dinner party to finish. This one has an edge in the fact that they aren't just drinking wine, they're taking Coke as well. Yeah, was- my, my friends offer after eight around if you're lucky. Um, I have tried to try snorting Coke once before. I didn't like it. The ice cubes got stuck in my nose. <laughs>
1: That's I mean, li- rivaling I wondered, Luke's comedy. I
4: wondered why you wanted to lead on this, and now it's
1: clear. But so cleverly, uh, you will have to listen to the edit to see whether that stayed in.
4: Yes, <laughs> please don't edit out the punchline, <laughs> or else my parents are going to be on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I could just, I could. Just, <laughs>
1: I could just make it sound like you tried it and it wasn't for you, couldn't I? And just take out the
4: ice <laughs> bit. You're wicked, Luke. <laughs> so, what? yeah, well, tragically. This. How do you feel about heroin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm told it's very Moorish. <laughs> I could just take out I'm told. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you
1: just sound like you said, it's very Moorish.
4: <laughs> I could get you into all sorts of trouble at work. You absolutely could. That's <laughs> locked down, though. People are very forgiving about your uh, <laughs> yeah. personal yeah. habits. <laughs> very true. Two burglars go into the house. Um, one actually successfully steals a laptop, maybe some other stuff, gets out before they, re- they realize that the house is occupied. There's three people in the house. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, who is the beardy husband, he is essentially chasing these people around with a knife. A very sharp knife for for something that you'd just use at a dinner party. So this kid is on his way out. He's trying to flee and escape through the window. Sam stabs him in the back. It's really horrible. So this seems to be a story about reasonable force and whether his reaction was grossly disproportionate. Spoilers, it was. He thinks so too, because he pretty much says he knows it's murder and not in any way defensive. So yeah, so we go on to learn a little bit about Sayyid, who was the lad who was killed a family liaison officer called Karen turns up who is at pains to tell everyone she's not investigative so she reminds me of Vera and she'll be the unassuming overlooked woman who cracks the case and um, there's some sort of like drug smuggling thing happening in small boats at the beach which has got something to do with Rebecca's work as a journalist there's a lot of things happening but none of it is enough to even begin to be intriguing There's no sense of place, there's no overriding accent that I can hear. I actually read up about this and it turns out they film in Ireland but it's not supposed to be set in Ireland it's meant to be in England and it's... I've got like Cornwall
0: vibes I thought that's where it was meant to be maybe (laughs) Cornwall, Devon, somewhere like that I thought that's... I
4: I don't think... um, Elaine Cassidy got enough to do. The guy who plays Sam, I didn't hate his performance. He seems very believable as a very angry man, but otherwise his character seems very dull. Like shock horror, he's cheating on Rebecca with Angela, this this woman who was another witness. But no one seems to get enough screen time to really make an impression. Mm. It's just very dull. We're in this position, like you said before, Matt, who am I rooting for? Am I rooting for them to be found out? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I felt that the same way in this.
4: Um, but the thing is that as culprits, they're all so unlikable. I'm not really bothered to find out what happens.
0: The sympathetic character is the teenager who's died. And I suppose... Well, that, that's you know, I suppose... interesting.
1: That in- that's an interesting twist, I suppose, mm. is that we feel no empathy with the people who were intruded upon, but we're somewhat empathetic towards the person who tried to take all their stuff. Mm. Which is- and I, I think
0: maybe that's done through the performance of the actor who played his dad, because I yes. felt he was in this first episode you know he didn't get a lot to do yes. was possibly the best performance there as you say like you know Sally Lindsay who I know Luke's a massive fan of I um,
1: Put words in my mouth
0: will be the one to solve the case and you say you know <laughs> she went to great annoying. pains but i i remember on Eastenders it was the family liaison officer who was trying to solve the Lucy Beale murder case because no one else could be bothered mm-hmm. but yeah i i agree with everything you've said there, Sarah, and actually, Luke, you used the word amateurish acting. The scene after he stabbed him in the back felt like they didn't have a script. It felt like, right,
1: this is what... what would you say? Is, what would you say yeah, after exactly. this is happened?
0: This is what's happened. Go. Because it just felt like <laughs> they were all like rabbits in the headlights. None of the lines they were uttering felt believable, you know. No. And then suddenly, even though they've been drinking and, and snorting cocaine and like stuff... Sarah does. ...been, a, been <laughs> asleep, they're constantly all alert and they're experts at faking a crime scene. You know, to 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 not implicate sam in in this in this incident. And I don't know if it's wanting to say things about home invasion and things. You know he was in the wrong, they did break into his house, but that was a disproportionate reaction. I don't know if it's trying to say something there. But it was just like, who are you meant to care about, as you say?
4: Yeah, I must say that I thought Saeed's dad was good. Um, And I liked how it touched on the fact that the police were rushing because they thought they had to be culturally sensitive and make sure that there was that, you know, the Islamic burial has to take place as soon after death as possible. But it was actually Saeed's dad saying no. If there needs to be a proper investigation, then there needs to be a proper investigation. You need to find out why my son was killed, because he was a good lad, he was looking for universities, he wouldn't have been mixed up in this.
1: It's a shame actually, because when you talk about that side of it, there is aspects of a decent show with something to say. The other side of it is this farcical thing where Sally Lindsay's going to come along and solve everything and she's going to find herself in too deep and overstepping the mark of a family liaison officer. I just think Sally Lindsay, she's been in some good stuff, but she screams Channel 5 drama to me because she's not quite on the level. She was in,
0: was there something about cold calling that she was in? Cold
1: courage, I think it was.
0: Cold courage. But it was about cold calling, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: hot Porridge, (laughs) 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 Ali Lindsay's hot porridge. That's a that's a
0: different
1: thing altogether. That's a Bake Off type show on Channel (laughs) Five. Yeah, I think you both have summed it up eloquently and without vitriol that it was just a bit silly, a bit farcical people that you don't really want to spend. Any time with you. you're not rooting for them, you know. There's no danger in them getting. You're not going to go. Oh, there's police at the door. They're going to get found out. You're almost
4: cheering for them, going good. Perhaps she should, and, you know, not try yeah. to. yes. Can yes. so we should... please implicate the rest of the dinner party as well, because they were atrocious. In fact, can we implicate the people from the dinner party in too close as well in this yeah. murder? Because that would make me very but satisfied.
0: I, I, I think if this had been a drama on another you know, network the focus would be I you know, maybe not the Sally Lindsay character, but you would focus primarily on the detectives and the characters that they're focusing on here would be the secondary ones who might get a few scenes. That's that's the interesting thing here is the investigation but yeah. we are actually following the characters who have set this up. So I think it's a bit backward in a way. And I think as well, the way they introduce Sally Lindsay's character is like, here comes the main character now. You know, they sh- showed her getting out. The- they took a while to show her face. You know, they showed her getting out of the car. They showed her, put, I think, putting her coat on. And-, and then, oh, it's Sally Lindsay. Here we go. Here's the star.
4: I think Because I, I watched this on Channel 5 Catch-Up, and I think they use her portrait as the picture for the tv series so it wasn't Something. it wasn't yeah it wasn't a surprise oh, that she knew, was a we knew she
0: movie. was in it because it was said Anne sally Lindsay at the beginning but the i i suppose the bit this is like the, the big character we're getting this build-up as she's walking she doesn't just appear she gets a big sort of ceremony of getting out of the car ahead of you know we'll, introducing herself to the other characters what
1: i will say is it for the first time ever, I've probably watched something on Five On Demand. That's not a bad service. No ads. That's
4: good. It used to be awful. Like, it used to be just the most terrible piece of ugly yeah. software, but it's really nice these days.
1: Yeah. It made watching you... this partly bearable.
0: <laughs> did you not use it for the drowning?
1: No, I, don't. I think I recorded that on my Skybox to watch. That is the podcast of this week. I'm sorry it wasn't more upbeat and bouncy, but we did love... Unforgotten, and we're trying our best to suckle at the teeth of Line of Duty, like we always have, but not really fully on board. Sort of falling off the nipple a little bit. If I'm going to carry on with that analogy, no, don't, don't,
0: don't, don't don't say nipples to end the show, please. (laughs) Then we got to do the twitters to
1: end the show. No nipples. If you want to keep in touch with us uh, throughout the week and get you and let us know what you thought of all these shows, perhaps you were a bit warmer on most of them than we were. At Custard TV Pod on Twitter, or at Luke Custard TV on Twitter, or at Match TV We've even got an email address that's probably got cobwebs on it, but we need, but we'd love an email from you. Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com. We're on all the podcast apps. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, please. That's all we want. We don't ask for much you can also listen to us on spotify and spreaker and we're basically everywhere tune in just ask your alexa device to play the podcast and it will i've got it well trained i tried it last night it still works sarah how can people find you
4: i am on twitter at sarah hamsterer and my blog is deadpixeltest.tv and at the moment i am looking for Lovely things to watch on Netflix to, to fill the Shits Creek gap in my life. So any suggestions, always welcome.
1: My favourite thing about Shits Creek is the fact that when it was nominated last, was it this year or last year, last year for all the Emmys, the American television networks weren't allowed to speak about it by name. <laughs> it. So they sort of had to dance around it and call it a Canadian sitcom on Netflix with the word crick in it. In it, but, they great great. but I love that. There's a whole YouTube clip you can find of just all the morning show hosts trying desperately to talk about Shits Creek without saying the title. And it's great. We'll see you on the next podcast. This has been an extra long, extra entertaining, cocaine-fueled episode of The Custard TV Podcast.
0: Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.